Welcome to the Skeptic Choir. That reminds me of a um, movie pet peeve of mine, which is every time nowadays in a movie that you see a Prius starting up, you hear the the engine start sound, but this is how Priuses sound. That's how they start up. Hmm. They're very quiet. Yes, they, they, but some foley artist out there thinks hey, I have to put in the car. Yeah, well, you have to. You have to put in the car. It's just. It's just like on computers. Whenever you see text go across the screen, I have never worked at any computer at any time where things go across the screen and you hear a teletype going. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. Or every every time there's a there's a crime scene, everybody's you, you always hear the. Like a little bit of a police siren, right? But or if you remember uh, Planet Earth, every time they would show a vista, and they they do that slow pan across the the Great Plains, you would hear an eagle. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not, every single time. It's, so it's like having a, a a scene in the Orient, and it has to have the da 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 Yeah, yeah. It, it's, if, it's a, if it's a comedy it's a movie, if oh, it's not yeah, a comedy yeah. movie, they do some sort of traditional sound. Uh, but I was in, in the the Earth, uh, or, or I think it's just Earth, isn't it? BBC Earth. Yeah. Uh, I was, last time I was watching it with friends. And so we, we, we went from the Serengeti and then we went to something like the, the, the deserts and then they started doing stuff underwater. And so every time they'd pan them underwater, I go, what under, I guess they could, they could do a whale. Yes, definitely. (laughs) But yeah, just, just silliness. Yes. General silliness and. I'm happy to be back in the. Great, silliness. you're back! Yay! <laughs> oh, wait a minute! Hello! Hello! <laughs> this is episode 84 of the Skeptic Wire for the 15th of November 2012. I'm your host Gary Lawn, and with me this week is Greg Perrine. Hello. Fresh back from Skepticon, and Donna Swafford. She's not here. Donna. Crickets. She's not here. Oh, she's she's up in like uh, Washington D.C. protesting she- the election. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what she's doing. No, she's she's vacationing, I, familying something I, like I, that. I think she's working actually. Oh, for crying out loud, that woman needs a break. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think she's up there for a reason. Well, I mean, obviously she's up there for a reason, but I mean, it worked less reason. less so much personal. Anyway, so uh, how was how was your week? A weekend, actually. It was it was fun. Um, it, Tell uh, us about Skepticon. Yes, sir. <laughs> now that's enough. <laughs> okay, I have been rightfully accused of going on and on and on about and how great on everything was because we weren't there. And boy, doesn't it suck! You <laughs> Just as often as I might say when someone dies that they lived a richful life, which I noticed you did last week, yes, you I bastard. Did. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, and speaking of last week, and speaking oh, of Skepticon, I, I you, have an you, you, you made aspersions on my character. I did. I apologize. I actually, I felt bad about when I was editing it. You do not text and drive. No, I do not. You do not. And in fact, you're damn well don't even want anybody looking at the phone while they're driving. So I apologize. Greg does not do that. I apologize. I, I it was a joke. I understand <laughs> I it's a joke. I don't want anyone to think that. When I would stop, I would update my Facebook and and sometimes the the Skeptic Wire tweet as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would stop and complain about Dallas traffic or how the fact that I I found out after I got to Skepticon that I accidentally accidentally left the avoid toll roads check box on my navigator on <laughs> so my entire trip through oklahoma was through backwoods kind of yeah quote-unquote highways yeah that would go down to single lanes would stop at a traffic light yep so and it's a kind of one that back in the 90s uh when when i i late 90s when i when i lived in oklahoma you you'd go north on i-75 because i used to live in tulsa go north on i-75 and i-75 goes into oklahoma as well as uh, i-35 <clears throat> and you hit oklahoma and you hit oklahoma roads and back then i didn't have a cd player in the car i had the portable cd player with with the tape converter and so i knew immediately when i got into oklahoma because my cd would stop start skipping <laughs> it was bouncing bouncing yeah, it was yeah. bouncing it was horrible yeah i spent a lot of tri- time driving on uh highway 69 which is not yeah. as sexy as it sounds and no not <laughs> a sexy road at all <laughs> so if you couldn't tell dear listeners i drove all the way to springfield missouri and back which yeah, you know, oh, that was in Springfield. I hate Springfield. I had the worst day of uh, one of the worst days of my life in Springfield, Missouri. Okay, well, I'd like to get you out there sometime <laughs> next year. Maybe we do some music there. No offense it's- to anybody in Springfield, <laughs> but if um, in 1998 uh, and near the beginning of the year, if at any time at about two o'clock in the morning during the summer you lost your phone call and all of your internet access, that was probably me. <laughs> Oh, you a technical problem where you accidentally turned off Springfield? Yes, literally. Uh, <laughs> I I was doing a fiber optic switchover to Uh-oh. to new equipment, so it was about two hundred and fifty thousand calls potentially that could have been dropped. That's why we do it. We were doing it at you know two o'clock, five o'clock in the morning. Um, it was mislabeled. Okay, so it wasn't your fault, but it still sucked. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Because uh, everybody was on the phone. They said, okay, Gary, pull the west fiber. Because, you know, east, west, north, stuff. Pull so, the lever! So pull the west fiber. <laughs> I pull the west fiber, and the phone I'm on goes... Put it back! Put it back! That's exactly what happened. So I put it back in, dwell back in, what the hell happened? <laughs> like, you said pull the west fiber, I pulled the west fiber. It's like, okay, pull the east fiber? <laughs> okay, let's try that. Uh, yeah, yeah, we were, uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> and then the next day, I got in a car wreck, because I, I had to go buy, I had to, I had to go buy, um, uh, labeling tape to label it to label label everything so coming back from office max or whatever i got and get this it wasn't like a small car i got hit by a (laughs) (laughs) u-haul 
Well, hopefully, if you get to make it out to Skepticon <laughs> next year, it'll be a much happier experience. It is. And actually, Springfield is, is a very nice, nice... I, I've yeah. been through there a couple of times. It's a nice since, little but, town yeah. kind of place. Yeah. So everything was at the, the, the convention center, hotel, and, and actual convention big room type thing. And so lots of great people, not all the same people that I met from Tam, which is why yeah, I wanted to go nice. to Skepticon, yeah. Yeah, because it would be group. a different mix of people. So I did meet a lot of new More new Southern folks. people, right? Pardon? More Southern people. Not necessarily. Missouri. But a, a lot more local people because it's a free conference yeah. and it's it started out as a student-led conference, so it it caters t- uh, well, not caters towards, but it still has that tradition that's, of that's being a youthful audience. Yeah. At least in, for the for the time being, because all of them will keep coming back, and the conference will get older. Oh yeah, bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> lots and lots of you know, you've got where it started out with just I think PZ and was it Sean Carroll. Just the two speakers at Skepticon One, yeah. which they didn't call Skepticon One, but um, right, it's like First World War. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so each year it's gotten bigger and bigger. Uh, this year it was two full days of speakers plus a day of workshops. The yeah. the workshops were completely new, and um, compared to say Tam, where you have a quote unquote workshop, which is four hundred people in a room <laughs> and some speakers up front, right. this was forty people. In a room, so it oh, really cool. was a workshop where everybody got to interact, which was pretty cool. That um, is cool. I only, I didn't go to all of them because they were so packed. I didn't. I want to let other people come in and do stuff they wanted to. Mm-hmm. There was um, Foundation Beyond Belief, uh, how to be an activist, how to lobby. We've done that training. Yeah, you with got the, an interview with Foundation Beyond Belief, did yep, you? Yep, Zachary Moore. Yeah. Um, Which we'll talk about the interviews later. Yes. Um, but, you know, little thing, even Phil, uh, Phil Ferguson from Skeptic Money, PZ Myers did a thing. Not, not the not the, the host, the late night host, Ferguson. No, that's Craig Ferguson. Oh, Craig Ferguson, okay. <laughs> uh, Jen McCrate did something, even though she doesn't really blog much anymore, she's still active. Um, so it was a fun little, th- little conference type stuff. Um, but also there was they were showing films at the same time, so if you want to just watch so there's some a lot of atheist stuff going films, on. That, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, you had to you had to choose your poison. Yeah, and and that was a neat way to do it, kind of mix things up. But they ended the night with a few big speakers. Like wait, Greta, the night it was just one day. The first day. Okay. The workshops were just one day. Okay, so you had workshops, and the next day you had a whole bunch of just speakers. Stuff. Okay, so well, uh, uh, so so. Were the speakers then, yeah, they choose your poison as well? Or just no. The okay, so-, so the day of workshops, there yeah. were often three at the same time. Okay. Plus, you could go watch movies if you wanted to. Huh. Or you could just hang out and talk with people. Sure. Then like in s- interviews. <laughs> Saturday <laughs> and Sunday uh, were basically everybody in the big hall and speakers, everybody from... Um, Did Jessica- everybody put on long beards and carry pickaxes and sing about gold? Dwarves, big hall. Okay, never mind. <laughs> wow, I didn't know where you were going with that one. <laughs> Apparently, uh, skeptics aren't dwarves. No, 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 we're not. There are some pretty tall ones. Um, so, you know, you had Jessica Alquist, Rebecca Watson, PZ Myers, Hemet Mehta, um, Richard Carrier, Matt Delahunty, a whole bunch of different people focusing on some were some sciencey topics, some were some religion y topics. 
Um, and I, I, again, this is the kind of thing I like about conferences where they don't just give you the, this is why religious, religion is bad and why you should be an atheist talk yeah. because, yeah, we know that. Yeah. We're and here of course, at a conference. It's, again, it's, it's all just like the Freethinker convention. It's, it's not an atheist convention. It's a skeptic convention. So there's lots of science and stuff. Actually, technically, it really was focused more towards the atheism side. Yeah. But the story I heard is because it's the deep middle south, they, if they called it atheist con, atheicon, atheist con, it wouldn't. They they could not sell it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So they called it skepticon to kind of mask that a little. Sort of like the skeptic wire. <laughs> kind of like us, yes. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, two full days of of pretty good speakers, great speakers, even um, of various different topics. And the the best thing about that is they live streamed it. And they recorded everything, so they're going to be releasing on YouTube videos of all of the main speeches. Prob- not the um, the workshops, yeah, which is okay, but they probably could get some use to, out of that as well. But the the speeches will all eventually be up on YouTube. So oh, yeah. I think if you go like the Skepticon page on Facebook, they'll have announcements of that when it's ready. There you go. Go to Fly His Minions. <laughs> I should register that as a website. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just uh, and and a lot of good time sitting around talking with people um, after after events um, in the evenings, all sitting around bars or the bar of the hotel talking. It was it was fun to talk to just your average person who you didn't know. There was um, a nice couple that I le- uh, met there. Who- Don't you know that everyone that goes to Skepticon is above average? <laughs> Could be. <laughs> it's like Lake Wobegon. Yes, true. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you talk with you know, I, I talk some of the Pink Atheist podcast group, and I also- have not heard of the Pink Atheist podcast group. They are. They do another podcast. It's actually kind of a live podcast, call in, live streaming kind of thing. And oh, okay. I, I talked on their podcast for a few minutes. Talked about our podcast, essentially. <laughs> Don't listen to these folk. Go, go yeah. to the one that you can download and not call in live. Well, all. you can download that one as well, I guess, eventually on iTunes. But they're only on like episode five. <laughs> they're a baby podcast. <laughs> Wait, they've they've released their first five episodes? Something like that. <laughs> Wait a minute, you haven't been releasing these? <clears throat> what no. have we been doing for a year and a half, dude? Blackmail. <laughs> <laughs> but also um, people who aren't well as well known. There was a deep fried skeptic blogger, a uh, woman from, uh, I think it's uh, Louisiana, I think, talking about her experience being a non-believer in the deep, deep south. Um, but also... Wait a minute. We're, we're further south than, than Louisiana. We're, we're not quite as belt buckly. We, we are in the blue portion of Texas. Exactly. <laughs> so we could be worse. Yeah. But, oh, uh, yeah. but also, you, you know, I, compared to Tam, it seemed a lot more comfortable in that it wasn't such a separation between the, the speakers and the big names and everybody else. Uh. Like there wasn't a big green room where they all just went off to. Right. So I, you know, I've been going to these conventions. So that's how you put George Reb in the headlock, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody tells you about the big bruise on his head was my fault because of noogies. No. <laughs> 
but which it, is why they have a green room. <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've known, uh, I've met George several years ago, three or four years ago. Nice guy. And, and yeah, cause a, you did the, you did the, uh, Mandel, Mandel, you did your song at the, at, at, at TAM. Is that actually, he wasn't there for that TAM. You didn't meet him there. No, I did not. <laughs> I met him back in Chicago when oh. the skeptics group out there brought him out for a, uh, oh, yeah. okay. a performance, and I drove him back to his hotel in my Prius. So that's how I started to oh, get I mean, him to remember right, me in the you past. You can't just leave it. You drove him back to his hotel. And I dropped him off, and I went home to my own home. No, no, but you had to say, in your Prius. <laughs> Well, that's what I used to remind him <laughs> that's who I was, and that's where he remembers me from. Oh, okay. Because I think that's the first time he'd ever driven in a Prius. Oh, okay. So it was, oh, yeah, 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 that. You know. right. But, yeah, we. and then the next year, when I moved down here to Texas, we played together. We played in, uh, we jammed together a little bit in a room. We played some a couple songs. So that was kind <laughs> of fun, and it... it I've known him for years, and it was a lot more casual to get to talk to him. But also, there are other figures, like, I've gone to three Tams, and granted, Rebecca didn't come to this last one, but... Wait, Rebecca who? Rebecca Watson. Oh. Oh, that name! (laughs) Well, let me just finish. Um, So, I I just never... For for, for those of you who are about to send us evil email, just shut the fuck up. (laughs) Write your complete letters to Gary Lawn at Skeptic Word. Um, anyway, I, I, <laughs> so I've, I've gone to several TAMs and other conventions where she's been at, yeah. but it always felt like I, I've, if I didn't really have a reason to talk to some of these people, it's not like I was going to walk up and say, hey, I love your blog. You're awesome. Okay, <laughs> right. bye. Right. It just feels weird. So yeah. this, this year is the first time it's like, oh. You know, some of these people I got to talk to. Now, it was a little weird that the first time I ever met Rebecca Watson and talked to her was waiting for the elevator. (laughs) And if any of you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Elevator Gate and you'll figure it out. Yeah. So I I said, hey, my name is Greg. And she said, Rebecca. And I'm like, yeah, I know you're Rebecca. Um, But I said, you know, it's nice to finally meet you. I'm okay that you don't recognize me. I've actually never introduced myself because it seems kind of weird and artificial when I don't really know anybody, know someone directly and have a reason to really talk to them. So, you know, it's nice talking to you. Have a good Skepticon. And then I walked out. Out of the elevator, you know, not, not, I wasn't burning. You were like up against the wall. <laughs> no, I, I made a point that when my, when my floor came up, which was before her floor, I continued, I finished my conversation outside of the elevator, just sticking my arm to keep the door open for just a second and yeah. said, good night and moved my arm. Right. And that was it. No problem. <laughs> no scandal. And, and part of me was thinking, you know what? The the elevator gate thing was about one small little incident that she wanted to bring to people's attention yeah. about kind of creepy things that some guys can do, and everybody who yells at her is saying, how could you bring that up? Well, she's not going to bring up every single time she rides in an elevator with someone, and it's perfectly fine. Yeah. So it's it's the one that kind of stood out, and it's something that uh, I think a lot a lot of men particularly don't think about. Yeah, you know, uh, hitting on somebody in a, a place where there's no escape. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and which completely, you know, it, it'd be like if you were in the elevator and you're sort of homophobic and uh, homosexual hit on you. 
Yeah. yeah not not you or, or me. But, if, and, and, you know, maybe Wait, not you're saying aggressive. that a homosexual wouldn't hit on me? Fuck you. <laughs> I have been hit on in gay bars by homosexuals, and I'm no, very I'm proud saying, of that. Yeah, but, but, uh, but you wouldn't necessarily be all... Uh, I, would, I wouldn't be bothered by it. You wouldn't forget it, it right. So, or, or basically, anybody that you're, you don't know and you, you're uh, wary of. Yes. No, I, I completely understand, but yeah. it was it was a pleasure talking with her and, and talking at the bar later on the next day huh. um, with a couple other people and just having a fun chat. So there was less of a division between the speakers and everybody else as I felt at TAM. Now, okay. at, you know, cool. there are things like at TAM or even at the Reason Rally or whatever, Dawkins walks into the bar, everybody congregates around <laughs> yeah. him. He can't have any fun on his own, yeah. and then he he leaves. That's going to happen no matter what. Right. But I felt that the you know PZs and the Rebeccas are kind of A B level celebrities, depending on how you're making that scale. Because <laughs> you could say, consider A level celebrities the famous within the skeptic world and the greater world, which would pretty much be Dawkins, maybe Phil Plate or something like that. Well, no, yeah. Plate, I think, would be... Uh, He'd be an A-minus. United States, UK. So he's not necessarily world... Yeah. He's certainly not as large... The, people that you see on television. Yes. Dawkins, television, definitely. Definitely. Right? Not so much a lot of other people. Uh, well, okay, uh, Shermer, basically the four horsemen, now the three. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody that you've seen on, that gets invited to the news or to the whatever. Right. Phil Plate... Probably starting to get, yeah, because he now, had a TV show, slate, right? Yeah, stuff <laughs> like that. But within our world, maybe Rebecca Watson or PZ are level A, but to the yeah. greater world, they're more like a B or C, <laughs> or, okay. or even less. Yeah, we should, but, why yeah. are we okay? Why are we even bothering? You I don't know. We just kind of got on. <laughs> no, you, you got on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fine. Blame me. It's all my fault. <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? But we know we know what you're talking about. Yeah, PZ Myers can can go out have a beer with other people, but you know he will also hang out a lot with like the Thunderfoot level things, right? Yeah, all, all those the people who are bigs on on the podcasting skeptic blogging, right? So so there's that that level, but like we we don't rate on that. Yeah, we're like D, maybe. We're 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 go out to the bar and people go, who are you? And say, oh, we have a podcast. Okay, and so we might get a like on our Facebook page. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, it, it was a fun experience, um, casual, fun to have with everybody at the so different bars. So go to Skepticon and, is yeah, what he's saying. It's a good experience. Yeah. Now we have interviews. They're not going to be on this podcast. We are going to have a, a separate uh, bonus extra episode. Yes, uh, which I'll get to in a couple of days. We'll, I'll put it together. Uh, so we'll put this one up. We'll let this one out, and then sometime next week uh, before. Before the next podcast, right? We'll, we'll put it so up. just a, a short list of the people who I interviewed are Zachary Moore from uh, Foundation Beyond Belief. We had um, Mika Weiss, one of the program directors for Skepticon. Uh, Ken and Maria Murbach, who are uh, skeptics, and I've met at TAM, and they have some new business that they're doing. So I wanted to advertise that. Phil Ferguson of Skeptic Money and the Pinky Atheist Podcast. Wow, I'm pimping them a lot. Yeah, so wow. far. Yeah. Okay. Well, they had me on their show. That's so fine, yeah. No big absolutely. deal. Uh, Teresa McBain, uh, a, uh, an interview again with Daryl Ray. Um, Laura Lane, the founder of Skepticon and MC this weekend. Uh, Jeffrey Marcus, the executive director of the Skepticon group. And comedian Keith Lowell Jensen, who was really funny. Yeah. And I was really glad that they had him as an entertainment 
thing yeah, at Skepticon. I'd like to see him see him live. I hope he comes down to Texas. Just a sometime. reminder, you you will be able to find that video on YouTube of a Skepticon performance that's eventually. Right. That's right. And last but certainly not least, I, I sat down with George Hobb for about 10-15 minutes. And we talked about songwriting and his songs. A little bit about my songs, too. Kind of got my stuff <laughs> sure. in there as well. But So it was all a lot of Wait fun a minute. to talk on that, to these people. On that interview, you used the same terminology in Last But Certain Ally, Not Least. Yeah. Was that like at the end of the day? Yeah, he was the last person I talked to. Ever? Interview wise. Well, no, no, not ever. I mean, at Skepticon? Uh, interview wise, yes. How but, did you know that, that that was going to be the last one? Uh, because I was tired as fuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Actually, I told uh, Keith Lowell Jensen that he was last but not least. Yeah. But when I said that, the recorder wasn't going. <laughs> so I kind of screwed up that one. But yeah. So um, yeah. So th- those were the interviews I got. Cool. And uh, a mixture it was like, of uh, what about thirty, forty-five minutes or something. Um, at no, least. So... Probably more like an hour. Yeah, it's about an hour. But. <laughs> Yeah, so I, we, I, we already had an interview show this month or in the last month, so yeah. we'll we'll just do that as an interstitial kind of thing. Exactly. So go to Skepticon and hopefully I can get my cohorts, uh, cohorts, cohorts, Donna cohorts. and Gary cohorts. to come out to Skepticon as well next year. Yeah, I would have loved to, but I was actually working that weekend, yeah. getting paid work and dropped. I'm one of those people who dropped their phone into the river on the Riverwalk. <laughs> Oh, dear. Well, fortunately, the Riverwalk is not very deep, but it's kind of icky. It's dark enough uh, that you can't see where the phone is. You just it lost goes. entirely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty sad. Uh, I was putting it back in my pocket, and I was running the steps, and one hand was holding. I, I was doing audio for what is going to be a commercial for San Antonio, Okay. Uh, promoting San Antonio. And so when that comes out, I'll, I'll put a link to it, because... I, I ran the audio for you that. You should be proud of the work you do. Gary. I am. I am. Uh, but so we, we hit all these really big parts of downtown San Antonio. So we were walking everywhere. And I, I put together, built a rig, uh, a remote rig so I could do it. So that was on, that that was a cooler uh, with with a mixer and all the wires and uh, wireless mics and stuff like that. Batteries and, and shit. And then I had, yeah. And then, yeah, a car battery. So <laughs> the, the rig itself was about 50 pounds. So I'm hauling that around, and I also have a boom pole with the with the directional mic on. So I'm standing right next my back up to the river walk because we're on the river walk. If you're not familiar with it, um, it's exactly what it sounds like. On either side of this river uh, are walkways with a whole bunch of restaurants. So there's not a lot you you can't really stop and stand. But we were sh- shooting video, so I was getting out of the way to allow people to, to pass. And I checked my phone. Uh, and turned it off, put it in my pocket, and it as I was putting it in my pocket, secure. it fell out. I looked down, it fell on the step, and then slowly slid into <laughs> the river. It's one of those things that shows you just how flexible the perception of time really is. Yeah. It must have been those, it's like, no! That's exactly what it was. And, I can get it! And no. And I, but no, I, yeah, I couldn't because I was holding my boom pole, which is far more, well... Uh, just all, as expensive. Of, yeah, just yeah. as expensive. So, uh, here's here's a tip for you, uh, folks out there in podcast land. If you lose your expensive phone and you didn't say have insurance on it, um, and therefore can't replace the phone because a new phone of a similar type is going to be about four hundred, three hundred. 
$300 and up. This is the cool thing. Um, I'm with AT&T, and I went out and got a Go phone. So it's a prepaid phone. Well, all of these prepaid phones have SIM cards. So all you need is a new SIM card. AT&T will replace your SIM card for free. So I could have got a $25 phone, but I got the $100 Android phone. Okay. So $100 better than $500, which is the one I'm eyeing for when my contract comes up again. <laughs> um, and so that means that my uh, 10-hour day that I got paid for was not for naught. So you, you almost had to basically spend that money to that you earned that day yes, to replace your phone. Exactly. But you realized you could work around it and still have the service and SIM card exactly. And all that. So so go get if if something happens to your phone, you can't afford to replace it, don't have the insurance or whatever. Uh, the Go phones are a great alternative. At least you have a phone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and text. Okay, so that that is my thing. Oh hey. Um, so, I have a new phone. It's like I was reborn. <laughs> Speaking of births, do we have any birthdays? Yeah, half an hour into the podcast, <laughs> we're going to start, we're going to do our opening segment of birthdays. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, by the way, good job with doing the birthdays last week. Both hey, e- Each of you seem to have chosen one person to talk about birthday-wise. Yeah. yeah. So, if you guys ever want to do that, like, oh, I really want to talk about this person, and so Greg can get in a chance to make fun of your asses. <laughs> All right, so... So who we got? Who do you think was born today, November 15th, 1738? Hmm. Hint. He had two careers, the first of which was a composer. Mm, Beethoven. Mm, no, no, he was always a He composer. was pretty much all yeah. a composer. Mozart. No. Not uh, quite as big of a name musically, but still composery. Nope. Can't, okay. Can't think. 1738. Obviously, I would think a classical composer. Yes. He, so, he, Brahms, he wrote Bach. Some, he wrote some, you know, sonatas and a, and a couple dozen symphonies, I think. Sonatas? The car? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I, I know that's not the right word. <laughs> no, yes, yes. yes. Sonata sonatas was a is, word before it was so, a car. Yes. Sonatas <laughs> are, are proper. Yes. All right, Th- then you'll probably know him better by the fact that because of his discovery, there's a lot more giggles in science class. He discovered Uranus. Yes! Uh, Herschel. Herschel Walker. William Herschel. Oh, William Herschel, not not the not the well-known uh, American football player. No. <laughs> Herschel Walker. Um, Used to be well-known. He was born Fred- uh, Friedrich or Frederick, depending on... Friedrich. <laughs> Von Frankenstein. <laughs> exactly, depending on how recently you've seen that movie. Why isn't it called Froderick, then? <laughs> anyway, continue. Yeah, that, there was a speaker at Skepticon who talked about werewolves, and all throughout I was thinking, werewolf? There, there, werewolf. <laughs> Why are you speaking like that? Oh, thought you yourself. wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> suit yourself. Nope. Go ahead. Uh, so he was born Frederick Wilhelm Herschel, but went by Willie. I don't know, I guess. <laughs> you think? And um, so really, the, his parents were musicians, so he kind of fell into that. They were oboists, or one of them was. Oh, hey, here's a here's a joke. Uh, what do you call two oboes in tune? A miracle. Very good. 
Okay, continue. Which is odd because it's the oboe that tunes up an orchestra yeah. at the beginning. That's because you can't tune those stupid things. So everybody has to tune to <laughs> <Yes>. them. <laughs> yes. Okay, oboe, go ahead. <laughs> okay. So, so most of the, like the, the 1760s, and thank goodness I said 1760s and not 1950s, um, yeah, shut up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know exactly what I just said, so shut up. <laughs> so most of the 1950s and 60s, he did the music. <laughs> shut up. 1760s. <laughs> <laughs> For a that moment was... there, I thought you did it on purpose, but apparently, no. no. <laughs> Oh. So late 1700s. So I he was should... born in 1760, 17... 1738. 17, so when he was about 30-something years old, that's yeah. when he started composing. Well, it's it's really when he was hit his stride. Okay. Um, he, 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 like, grew up in Germany, but they moved him to Britain. As they were wont to do? Yeah, and there was this whole, like, France-Britain thing, whatever. But, um, so he, he did a lot of... Um, like I said, symphonic composing. Uh, he also um, was an organist for some churches, that sort of thing. But in getting in being involved with music, he got interested in mathematics, and for some reason that made him interested in lenses, which made him interested in astronomy. So mathematics was like a gateway drug. Exactly. So he he found this very interested and started building his own telescopes, which one did back then, because there weren't, like, commercial manufacturer, manufacturers of telescopes. Wow. Well, yeah, to grind your own lens and then... Yeah. yeah sure. So it was basically a, a very big hobby for him, in addition to his work with, sure. with doing music. So he started out trying to observe double stars to see, did they move at all? Hmm. And um, I think he originally came up with a hypothesis that they orbit each other, as opposed to they were just static in the heavens kind of oh. thing. So double stars. Yeah, so he, he, he observed double stars some like five, ten years apart to see how they they moved compared to the movement of the Earth. Because some people thought, well, okay, if you just look at a star on opposite sides of the orbit six months apart... We'll tell something about it that uh, perihelion or whatever. But perihelion. This, yeah, thank you. Uh, but this was actually observing them many years apart to see, well, do they move? Mm-hmm. And discover they move. Right. So um, he did a lot, hundreds of double star observation, um, which, you know... Usually him- drunk, so they were quad systems. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. But that, you know, he got involved in the Royal Astronomy Society and all that kind of stuff, and... In observing stars that way, which was his primary interest, he saw something moving that was not a star. And he originally thought it might be a comet or something, but no, he figured out it was Uranus. Not mine. <sighs> and you know what? The, the, the bad thing about that name is you can't even call it Uranus. <laughs> yeah, because it just makes you think of Uranus again. Or it sounds like urine. Urine, yeah. But, you know, he also discovered... In discovering the planet, two of the moons of Uranus, Uranus, let's call the whole thing off, um, uh, and just, Titania choose what, choose, and Oberon. Uh, of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and, and I think he also discovered one or two Wait, Saturn Obo, moons. Oberon? Oberon. Oh, sure. <laughs> 
Originally, he wanted to name Uranus uh, after King George, I think it was. Yeah, but there was already the precedent of yeah. naming after the Greek gods. So. But also that uh, the French didn't like that. Yeah, sure. They didn't want to name it after an English king. So he called it Freedom Planet. <laughs> <laughs> Originally, it was the, the temporary name was like Herschel world, Herschel's World or something uh. like that. But eventually it got Like named. when I was born, they didn't have a name for me, and they called me Baby Lawn. <laughs> True story. Okay. How long were you baby lawn? Uh, a couple of days. Oh, okay. Well, it's not too bad. Yeah. I, I, think, like... I think it may have been up, upwards of a week, actually. Wow. Yeah. No wonder I get confused whether to call you Gary or call you Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he, he did a lot of good astronomical... Astronomical? <laughs> it's an astronomical animal! The astronomical! <laughs> That's a that's a, the new the new clothes that Sears is selling the astronomers <laughs> right next to the Garanimals. No, <laughs> that J C Penney's doesn't matter. That's yes, whatever. <laughs> okay, so so, so he, he came up with the astronomers. <laughs> so he did a lot of astronomical work observing stars and planets, um, and you know good sciencey stuff plus musician so it shows how good it is to be a full-on renaissance person of mixing your 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 creative art and your science to be even you've more got music in my math even... you've got math in my music <laughs> anyway. exactly so. <laughs> well cool awesome sciencey stuff so william not wilhelm but william herschel sure Auf yes. deutsch <laughs> Of Deutschland. Born November er 15th. Er kommt from Deutschland. <laughs> Are you done? Sure. <laughs> Born November 15th, uh, 1738. Passed away August 25th, 1822. So, he- <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. actually, all right, let's say it together. He, he lived, lived a rich, rich and, and full life. life. Yes. Which in that time, seventeen late 1700s, that's actually, he, he lived a long time, nearly yeah. 100 years. Uh, 90, 90, 90, yeah. 90 something years old. Thereabout. So that's, that's impressive for yeah. that time period. Definitely. 80s. Yeah, because uh, somewhere 20, between eighty and one hundred twenty-eight would make him ninety. So yeah, so eighty-three. Eighty-three. It says here on the okay, yeah. the not the Wikipedia. Not that I just read Wikipedia <laughs> at you folks, but yeah. <laughs> well, that was, that's a good one, Greg. Thanks. <laughs> that sounds sincere. <laughs> All right, let me <laughs> Great. And you know, whenever you say, like, oh, no, I mean that, it's like, no, no, now you're just, fuck, okay. I don't know what you're talking about anymore. I, it just it just sounded insincere. Thanks for that, Greg. Oh, okay. You know, like dismissive. Yeah, thanks, Greg. <laughs> no. You're so glad I'm back. <laughs> and otherwise, I'd have to sit here by myself and do this. And like with Donna and you, I'd have to like little little sock puppets and be like, "Oh, Gary, you're so smart." <laughs> yeah, Gary, you're so smart. I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and it just it'd be really awkward, just a bit. But yeah, <laughs> you know, with, there are plenty of people who pull off a podcast all on their own. You know, Rob does it every week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
you don't like to be reminded of other bald drummers out there? <laughs> no, a bald old, drummer, old, multi-instrumentalist, uh, who, yeah. Songwriter, singwriter. Singwriter. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. What yeah. are we going to talk about? Um, gosh. What's in the news? Petraeus. Petraeus is in the news. We're going to do a little bit about unintended consequences. So are we going to talk about that poor Irish woman who died because they wouldn't let her have an abortion? We could talk about that if we want to be (laughs) depressed. I think that's important to point out that uh, unintended consequences uh, are can be good, but can be not so good. Yeah, that was pretty much the unintended consequence of having a rigid, hard and fast law of of, of no abortions, uh, no ever. abortions, no matter what. For those of you who don't know, uh, in Ireland, a 31-year-old woman, uh, Savita Halapanavar, uh, started having a miscarriage, went to the hospital, and um, they knew that the baby was not going to make it. The uh, 17 weeks pregnant, and um, so she she opened up, and the baby was still living but would not survive, and the hospital that she went to uh, would not terminate the pregnancy to save her life Yeah, because it still had a beating heart. Despite the fact that the baby would not survive and that was putting her life in danger, um, they, yeah, they did not. Just... And then she got an infection, uh, an avoidable infection, uh, had they done what was right, and then she died. And so there you have... Two dead people, rather than just uh, than one. Yeah, and, we, yeah. and we've depending on we've talked in the past about yes, there are secular people who are anti-abortion, but most of the time they take nobody loves abortion, right. but the people who are against abortion, even within the secular world, most of the time there is a exception for there's going to have to be situations where we have to do it. Yeah. There's, but this Always hard and there. fast rule of saying, this is a Catholic Catholic country, we can't help you because we don't do abortions ever, no matter what. That's a scary, scary rule to not be able to think of situations where that might be unfortunately necessary. Yeah, there's hardly, I, I can't think of a single hard and fast rule that shouldn't po- be broken yeah. At some point. Okay, even, maybe, even the, maybe nuking another country, that might be one of the ones that we probably shouldn't break ever. If there, are, if, <laughs> if you could send in one nuke to destroy one small country that it was about to send out 50 nukes to destroy yeah, the okay. rest of the world. There you go. It's the same reason of, you know, sometimes murder is, in self-defense, completely justifiable. Sure. Sure. I mean, like, if you said, thou shalt not kill, that's supposed to be a hard and fast rule. Exactly. <laughs> but if you're killing to defend yourself, that's perfectly justified. But you've killed. Thou shalt not Apparently kill. Apparently, also, there's some, it's okay to kill if you chop off their foreskin stuff. Yeah, but there's, yeah that's all whole, whole about, Bible yeah. analysis. Yeah, we don't even have that. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so hard and fast, I mean, if, if you are a black and white thinker, uh, you you have some problems. There's got to be some cognitive dissonance going on because there's like oh you can never drive above the speed limit. Well, sometimes you have to drive above yeah. the speed limit. But so by by drawing that hard and fast rule, we don't we don't do abortions because we're a Catholic country. You 
you've literally killed somebody else. Yes. And uh, as far as I, I've been thinking about this, as far as I'm concerned, if you are that way, then your thought process also killed this lady. Yes. And that pisses me off. At least, hopefully, in this situation, like this CNN article that I just found about this to find how the, what her name was, that it will produce a debate of how hard and fast we can make these things, how necessary sometimes procedures are that we just don't like, that we just have to say, well, there has to be exceptions. So yeah. at, as it sucks as that she died, but... There's now a conversation, uh, and I hope I hope that it's not in vain. Yeah, you know, it, it's like the what is it? The Megan's Law is coming out of a kid being kidnapped. Right. Well, other kids hopefully will be protected by those laws. Other people will hopefully be saved by a discussion about well, sometimes we have to have an abortion. Yeah, and, and you see this. I mean, not just that, but like the 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 zero tolerance rules at elementary schools and high schools. Where no drugs at all, and some kid brings aspirin yep. or an inhaler that isn't, you know, hasn't been passed through the system or whatever, and they kick the kid out. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just inane bullshit. Yeah, and know? that's what skepticism is all about, of yeah. saying, well, let's think about this. What, Where do we really go from here? What is the really important intent Right, this. the yeah. intent of the law, not the letter of the law. Exactly, and it's it's scary when it's 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 never a good thing when people are very rigid with their thought patterns. That leads to authoritative talk and and thinking and people passing away from unintended unintended consequences. Yeah. Although there there is there is um, a, a use for that type of thinking because it's it's kind of a wall that you can bounce ideas off of. <laughs> You know, this is why I really like, and we've we've talked about this before, and Rachel Maddow actually mentioned it after the elections, you know, we need the liberals and we need the conservatives. And we need them to both be thoughtful and willing to listen to the other side. Because there's a perfectly good reason why something shouldn't progress. Maybe it's not ready. Maybe it's a bad idea. And there's a perfectly good reason on why something should progress, you know. And so you need to have that conversation. You have to be open to to that debate. So, uh, yeah, a hundred years ago, unfortunately, you needed to go slowly out of slavery yeah. instead of jumping directly from, you know, from full on slavery to everybody's free and everybody gets to vote. It was unfortunate that. Are, you you could not bring everybody along with that decision immediately, right? So you had to make the compromise of what was it, the Jim Crow laws that sucked and are right. bad, but it was a progress in the gap. right direction. Yeah, stopgap measure. You could see that course of history moving along, and not everybody was going to agree with everything all at once. But if you're able to take it step by step, sure. That's that's it's the you know the wedge strategy works and with luck you use it in a way that's good (laughs) instead of using your powers for evil exactly exactly well speaking of using his power for evil not that I think he was evil or that (laughs) he did anything horrible but he was a powerful man Petraeus yes um recently 
uh, what's the hell's his name? David? David Petraeus. David Petraeus, General Petraeus, um, got caught up in what is looking to be a fiasco due to the Patriot Act. He's kind of hung on the whole, I'm going to call it the right-wing petard. (laughs) (laughs) I'm making sure I'm using the right word. Um, It's an unintended consequence because apparently the FBI found it quite easy to get emails uh, on the head of the CIA. Right. (laughs) Well, I heard heard that there basically was a situation where someone was felt that they were getting harassing emails by yes uh Kelly uh, Jill well, Kelly Jill Kelly about stay away b- from stay Petraeus. away from David Petraeus right and then that person who was getting those harassing emails told a friend of hers who was in the FBI who went kind of above and beyond the call Actually, of it, duty. No, it, was, it was Jill Kelly that was getting the harassing emails, okay. and she talked to her friend in the FBI. The guy passed it on. Okay. So they, they took a look at it um, because it's it, it could have been dangerous, okay? But from the sound of it is it should have stopped right there. It should have stopped at, oh, well, these are not death threats. Yeah. These are just harassing emails, the, but the it FBI went beyond. The FBI friend of Jill Kelly's basically kept pushing this yeah. higher and higher up the chain of command, basically because this was his friend. Yeah. And there's some talk about that's maybe a little, not well, that it should have, because there was actually pushback from his superiors saying, we got this, we're looking into it. Don't come to the meetings anymore. Right. <laughs> Essentially it was that kind of, Hey, watch it. You're getting too obsessed about this. Yeah. And, and even went over their, their heads to like a representative in Congress saying, well, why aren't they in, investigating this, this, these harassing emails and to find out, yes, they are investigating it. Just, you're not allowed in the investigation anymore because you yeah. got too obsessed. And, and, and so it seems like some of the players involved in this. We're taking so, it very personally. We're, we're taking it personally. And, and I mean, there's, the personalities involved were a little odd. <laughs> uh, they weren't entirely... Anyway, you know what? I'm not going to cast aspersions. Anyway, the whole thing stinks. It stinks, it stinks of Hoover. Uh, <laughs> and, and how he would go and blackmail people using the FBI yeah. as as a uh, as a political force. And that's what this, this sounds like. So the, But the Patriot Act allowed them to go in... And and do this very easily. It appears without quite so much warranty. Warrant yeah, with, without with without with obviously no oversight. Um, so it's kind of like who's watching the watchers. Yeah, but uh, there's also the point has to be made that they were investigating the head of the CIA. Yes, and the head of the CIA was just using an anonymous email account that was directly attached to him. So he was doing not very secure... <laughs> totally insecure. ...kind of stuff. Like, one one level deep here. Yes, but also <laughs> they were able to... They had carte blanche to kind of yeah. go look at someone's emails. Yeah, just go up to Google and say, mm-hmm. hey, give me the emails, and Google's like, mm, okay. Yeah, the other side of this, this scandal, which kind of bothers me is the whole kind of focusing on the only um, monogamous relationships possibility. I mean, yeah, it, maybe I, I, maybe he and his wife were okay with this, or maybe not. Maybe he was cheating. 
maybe they were okay but, with but it. But it goes, it goes yeah. back to that fascination that certainly Congress has with sexual infidelity. Yeah. This has nothing to do with anything. Now, it's has, has the CIA, it, they, they need to interview the guy to make sure he's not passing on something that he shouldn't, because that can happen. I mean, that's the whole spy get in bed with the thing, right? right? So they need to do that. But Congress, they don't need to drill this guy. I mean, it. That's. I just have this picture, and I, I am going to cast aspersions, of these... Sweaty, uh, you know, sweaty old men. Sweaty Ooh. old men just rubbing their hands gleefully, asking, kind of like what they did with Clinton, trying to get all of the details of the sexual exploits. And it, it's it's creepy and it's sex offendery. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it it's, has nothing to do with anybody except for Petraeus and his family and uh, Broadmoor and and her family. It's the political version of slut shaming. Yeah, sure. Okay, we'll go with that. That's I mean, good. the the interesting thing about that in thinking, oh, it's this sex thing and whatever, is the the cultural idea that because you have sex with someone, that automatically means you're so much more likely to divulge secrets to them. Right. But Where hey, you're you know, just as likely to divulge secrets to a good chest buddy yeah. as you are to a chest buddy that you bump chests <laughs> with. Right. Exactly, or or a golf buddy. You, you know, you're more likely to do something. Just let on something the slip. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, okay, oh my God, the guy had sex. Well, yeah, but he and his buddies also wiped out an entire city, <laughs> and they're more concerned about where he put his penis. There's something completely wrong. Yeah, with there's that. something definitely wrong about that because because we're got so your priorities puritanical about sex that. Yeah, maybe he cheated on his wife, and that's not a good thing, but that's between his, him and his wife. Yeah, exactly. Once you've made sure that he did not have too much bedroom talk, because there's some weird stuff about possibly this Paula Broadwell person also had affairs with other people. Yeah. It, I don't know. Something maybe a little weird there. Maybe. Well. But maybe she was just friendly. Yeah, but, <laughs> well, but there was also, she... Broadmore said something about maybe the like the, the the CIA place in Libya may have actually also been a prison or something someplace yeah. that I took, and so if if she said something like that, you know, she, she's saying more than she should know. Yes, probably, and that and that's viable for the FBI or the CIA or Congress to look into yeah. to make sure that he didn't divulge any secrets. Yeah, but right. beyond that, who the fuck cares? It's, yes, that's that's where the domain is is his job. Yeah. Okay. Now he being a military guy, he has the code of ethics that he has to follow, and the affair affects that. But that's between the military. And him, mm-hmm. and not between necessarily Congress to go in there and, and tear it apart. That's why I was saying. So unintended, contra- unintended consequences, and there's something a little bit Schadenfreude-ish <laughs> about the whole thing, where the very people that the, the that they're supposed to uphold are getting uh, bitten by this thing. You know? Right. So it was it was. 
a militaristic conservative idea of we got to yes. observe everything and some of the some of the people who are militaristic or conservative are getting taken down by yes, and that I, and dragnet I of observe everything. Exactly. And so unfortunately being a, a slight cynic here or more of a realist all that's going to do is uh make it they they will cover their tracks better or they will pass their little laws that don't affect them <laughs> where congress congress hey we have to have secret uh, conversations like like workplace safety laws don't yeah. necessarily apply to government offices that sort of stuff yeah something like that yeah, yeah. So, you know, the whole animal farm kind of thing. But I was thinking of that West Wing episode where Donna's complaining that she can't get an ergonomic keyboard because for some reason the the workplace kind of OSHA laws don't apply. And Okay, yeah. I'm rambling in a nerdy way. I apologize. Yeah, Let's never seen on. the West Wing. Okay, moving on. So, uh, com- completely shifting on on what we're talking about. We're still talking about unintended. Unintended. Unintended consequences. <laughs> Unintended consequences. Although, well, this is it. So, uh, NBC News had a an article called called Global Warming Felt by Space Junk and Satellites. And what it was saying is that due to global warming, we have more carbon dioxide molecules in the air. And they Correct. are filtering up into the upper atmosphere. Making the upper atmosphere warmer? Interestingly enough, no. It's actually getting colder up there. Now, huh, okay. intuitively, you would think, okay, the atmosphere of the Earth gets hot. And therefore, as things heat up, they expand. Right. And this is actually is what happens. However, what happens with the carbon dioxide molecules as they get up, when they hit the no atmosphere, they release their heat and shrink. Mm-hmm. So actually, in the upper atmosphere, where it's very, very thin, not a lot of molecules, it's actually getting thinner. So the... The, the carbon dioxide that goes up into the upper atmosphere maybe interacts with some of the other molecules there, and that generates heat because it's so far up and it's so spread out, it doesn't get reabsorbed. Right. So, okay. it, it, so it, radiates, it disperses more heat, which means that the upper atmosphere gets colder and contracts. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, that's fascinating, but how is that an unintended consequence? Well... Do you remember Skylab? Yeah, tell me now. Tell me now, <laughs> fucker. <laughs> wow. You're really into this. Um, so Skylab was in the upper atmosphere. and um, Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore, because it got pulled down by the drag. They actually uh, underestimated the amount of drag that would be on Skylab, and they couldn't get up there to, to boost it up to a higher orbit. Gotcha. Right? And this happens with the International Space Station as well. That needs to be boosted every once in a while because there is a little bit of atmosphere up there. So the, every once in a while, the American Space, the International Space Station, they put a booster chair under it, yes. like in a restaurant at Applebee's. Uh, yeah, actually, they're, they're, um, it's it's supported by uh, yellow phone books. So <laughs> what, what, for for those of you who don't have a landline anymore, there used to be this big papery book that they would 
drop off at every house that I would have a listing of all the phone numbers in your neighborhood plus businesses. Yeah, the yellow pages. It was a big, thick, booky thing that you put under children's butts to to boost them up in seats. I still get them. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. I don't have a landline, but I still get them. Gotcha. So, yeah, so they they put, you know, one uh, every couple every year. They they put a couple (laughs) underneath and they boost up the... And that's and that's how the space station. That's how the space works. station stays up. <laughs> Big sciencey podcast here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're a science podcast. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, yeah, it's not in geosynchronous orbit, so that would not work. Anyway, um, so what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know what you're doing. Okay, so, so the, the the atmosphere contracts at the right. highest level of atmosphere. Now this is this is actually which right. used to drag on Skylab. Yes. Okay. So so the atmosphere, the upper atmosphere is actually getting a little bit. Uh, it's getting, gosh, it's shrinking but getting more dense. Right. If that makes sense. Okay. So anything that's outside of this area now has less drag on it. Right. Okay. So. In some ways, this is good, because that means that a lot of the satellite and the, the, the lower orbit satellites will be able to stay up longer. They don't need to use the fuel to boost themselves up. Right. Okay. Right. And some of them, you know, they don't, you know they're, they're, they're up there until they lose orbit and they fall in. Oh, so okay. sad. Yeah. That happens. But, like, I, I'm, uh, I'm thinking, sort of, like uh, GPS satellites, for example, this is good for them. Uh, because they're not in geosynchronous, right? So they're always whipping around the, the Earth. So they'll stay up longer, but with less drag on them, it's possible, I think, that they actually may go a little bit faster. Right. Which screws up timing. Right, because uh, it's, it's... It's very minute, and you and I may not notice it, but if you're using it for very specific things... Uh, airplanes or whatever, or something that's that requires you know the mm-hmm. the centimeter level accuracy. It's possible that you ha- you have to change a little bit on instead of the, orbiting the every algorithm. twelve hours, it orbits every eleven hours fifty nine point nine 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 nine. Yeah, yeah. So over time, that, that adds, adds up, up. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and in fact, uh, what just this year they were talking about. Adding the uh, nanosecond to the timing, mm-hmm. and, or maybe it was a full second to the timing, and they weren't certain whether to do it this year or, or do it in three years uh, when we do like a software upgrade. Or so whatever. it's not like the atmosphere is con- contracting. And that means the satellite that was whipping around all of a sudden doesn't have any drag coefficient and goes flying off towards yeah, Mars. No, 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 that, that's okay. not gonna happen because it's it's still within the gravity well of. But uh, it may screw up some of the trajectories, either making things like geosyn- uh, GPS satellites going a little faster, messing up the timing, or maybe, for yeah. whatever reason, if all this kind of less of drag coefficient happenings that means for some reason all the gps satellites will end up on one side of the earth and the other side of the earth you well i'm just thinking of weird unintended consequences that could imagine with without any correction that that could possibly happen anyway but probably all of a sudden there's this big dead zone that floats around the earth that 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 would probably take a long time i guess that explains apple maps but but There you go. Yes, it's all serious fault. Um, but the other thing is, like, space junk. 
that they're kind of expecting to be dragged down and then eventually fall in isn't going to do that now. It's going to stay floating it's up gonna there. Stay up, right. Or it's going to stay up there longer, which the longer it stays up there, the more danger it is to the lower satellites. Right. So, and, and there's I, a lot of space junk up is there. That, it just shows how complex an issue global warming really is. Yeah, absolutely. And, now, and here's, here's another one I just thought of. Okay, so the upper atmosphere then is sort of getting a little bit more dense, right? Just, just that up. So how does that affect, um, say, heat now being able to radiate out through? Well, the, is that going to trap? Is there going to be a, a hot layer up there now, or even a you know a cold layer? We don't know. I, I, the way There's I was thinking of it sure. is because we're trapping more heat on the lower atmosphere. Some of that eventually will warm up the upper atmosphere, and it'll expand and contract, and, expand yeah. and contract, expand and contract. Right. And that could be really screwy with satellite paths. And that could be really screwy with weather as well. Yeah. Because now you've got a, a capillary pump, pumping action going on, you know, which... Ooh, sexy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can buy that on adamandeve.com. <laughs> An atmosphere pump. Atmosphere pump? <laughs> It'll make your penis larger. Cricket. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're a planet. You, you've got so global warming. You think okay, the the weather, the the entire Earth is getting a few centi- centimeters, degrees centigrade warmer over a century, that sort of yeah. thing, which makes the the oceans a little warmer and which melts it- some of the ice. And and when you look at a simplistic level, okay, that's interesting, but. The little bit of warmer plus more fresh water changes the acidity level, which changes ocean currents. And that's just looking at the ocean about all the various consequences of throwing the balance of the Earth out by even just a couple degrees centigrade. And then all these atmospheric patterns within the lower atmosphere. And now we've got to worry about the upper atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. We're screwed. Eh, Perhaps. (laughs) <laughs> some of us are <laughs> so I mean just just the fact that they were talking about how satellites are being affected by this and that non-intuitive uh, reaction of the molecules because uh, instead of instead of the earth heating up and it's the atmosphere getting larger the atmosphere is actually kind of at the moment shrinking. the upper atmosphere the upper atmosphere yeah. yeah so maybe you know I, th- I thought it was it was it was pretty cool. It's pretty interesting science, yeah. which is it's one of those things where people are saying, you know, oh, you just believe in the science. Where's the beauty? It's like the the, is the, the science behind a rainbow is fascinating as hell. Yeah, and it's like that doesn't make it any less beautiful. Plus, it's interesting to know. I know how that's created. Right. I know if I stand here with the sun in between me and the and the mist pattern or whatever. <laughs> That's what causes that refraction, that I'm in this special place to see this happen, and I know that there there's light that I can't see beyond that, the infrared, yeah. the ultraviolet. Like, and you know that there's somebody uh, maybe even 20 yards to your left that may not be seeing that rainbow. Yeah. That's it, cool. It's yeah. something special. It is. It's something special. So, yay, science. <laughs> Doesn't mean someone's not going to flood the world, though. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Uh, well, I think that probably uh, probably does it. Yeah, I think that's of. that's good. We're not we're not going to do a lightning round. Donna's not here. Um, you didn't prepare anything, and quite frankly, screw it. 
<laughs> for this week, we'll come well, back. The the uh, the, like, the good thing about our group is that we can improvise and you know shuffle around things to keep it interesting for ourselves and hopefully the listeners. So if yeah. you guys have any suggestions, stories you'd like us to talk about, post them to our Facebook page or give us an email or post to our blog or give us some feedback on iTunes and we'll be all back with you next week with Donna. Absolutely. And uh, don't forget, uh, if if you are musically inclined, or or even uh, a wordsmith, if you want to write poetry or whatever, uh, or or lyrics, words, uh, you're welcome to join the song challenge. Yeah, that would be really which awesome. Which is, uh, I think we decided it was about food. Food, gluttony. Food, and, gluttony yeah. type stuff. Because I already wrote about sloth yeah. last month. So. Yeah, so that's that's the theme. Food, gluttony stuff. Yep. And uh, so the, the extra... Skepticon interviews will be on a separate feed this week, a separate episode, a bonus episode. Um, yep. You know, some interesting stuff in there, I think, and I had a lot of fun I talking so. to I th- people. I think so. I thought you did a really, really good job. Thank you, with Gary. The, uh, with the interviews. Fun, fun, fun was had by all. And the editing. He edited them. They're good. <laughs> Saving they Gary a lot of work. Yes. Yes, especially this last couple of weeks as uh, school's winding down. Uh, well, it says winding down as if as if that makes it so much easier these last couple of weeks. No, when in the, fact, it's your ramping tension up. level is winding yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All right, so uh, thank you for joining us this week. And leave a review if you are enjoying this uh, review on iTunes or or any other place that will allow you to review us. Um, God, I'm so glad you don't do the interviews right now. <laughs> Not that I'm a big good talker person, but <laughs> wow. Okay. I've, I've yeah. never claimed to be an interviewer. No, that's all right. Neither have I. I'm, I'm more than happy to allow you to, to interview. <laughs> as much as, much as uh, I, I enjoy harassing you about pretty much everything, uh, I totally respect everything that you do. So. <laughs> it is fun. So, yeah. Yay! So, Yay, we'll talk episode. We'll Bye. see you guys next week at some point. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Go to Skepticon is yeah. what he's saying. It's a good experience. Yeah. Now uh, he got uh, he you Greg. Yes. Great. I'm going to talk about him in the third person now. Greg. Greg got interviews. Greg. You. He <laughs> got interviews. Did, I'm so did glad interviews. you are not doing the interviews right now. <laughs> he do good interview he thing. He did interviews. We have interviews. They're not going to be on this podcast. We are going to have a, a separate. Uh, Bonus extra episode. Yes. So uh, just a quick list of who those people are when I can bring that up. God damn it. Fucking, fucking. <laughs> no. Well, you really wrong. hate those that's people that I you talk to. to. Do. Okay. All right. Hold on. I'm almost there. Cut that out. Okay.